To the King, eternal, invisible, to God, who alone is wise, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. 1 Peter 2, 11-17 Beloved, I beg you as sojourners and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lusts, which war against the soul. Having your conduct honorable among the Gentiles, that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may, by your good works which they observe, glorify God in the day of visitation. Therefore, submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake, whether to be the king of supreme or to governors, as to those who are sent by him for the punishment of evildoers and for the praise of those who do good. For this is the will of God, that by doing good you may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men, as free, yet not using liberty as a cloak for vice, but as bondservants of God. Honor all people, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the king. In the name of him who has all authority in heaven and earth, yet submitted himself to the ordinances of God and man for our sakes, dear fellow redeemed. If you go online, you can look up the requirements and descriptions for every single award and decoration that, unit, that the United States Armed Forces bestows on exceptional servicemen and women. If you look at the upper echelon of those medals, the ones that are given out sparingly and which carry the highest honors for them, you'll find that the prerequisites pardon me, um, of these medals almost always contain the words service with distinction or distinguished service. These requirements usually go on then to further describe recipients as those who went above and beyond the call of duty. The Congressional Medal of Honor, for example, is authorized for any military service member who distinguishes himself conspicuously by gallantry and bravery at the risk of his life above and beyond the call of duty. Now, whether you do currently or have served in the armed forces or not, you do serve our nation as a member and citizen of it. But there can be confusion about how that service meshes with our primary service to God. And so it's important that we look to God's word and learn from him how these two duties interact with one another in a God-pleasing way in order that we might conduct ourselves in a worthy manner. And so our theme for this morning is Christians serve with distinction. Do they do so by distinguishing between honorable conduct and fleshly lust? They do so by distinguishing between serving God and serving man. And they do so by distinguishing between our earthly home and our heavenly home. May the Spirit guide us into all truth through his revealed, revealed word today. We're in the football season again. 1,696 professional NFL players are suited up to play today. But you know, that, but you know what they're going to be doing tomorrow? Watching film, looking back at today's games for ways to improve for next week. That's the same opportunity that we have today. As the pandemic draws to a close, we have the opportunity to look back as Christians and say, how did we do? Did we conduct, uh, did my conduct serve to glorify God and honor others? Or was I an impediment, 
As a citizen of my country and a member of my community, did I serve with distinction? If you're sitting now thinking to yourself, finally, those folks on the other side are going to get an earful, then please adjust your mindset. I am not talking about them. I am talking about you. Whichever, what, whichever side of the COVID-19 debate you landed on, one says, but science. One side says, but freedom. Both sides say, me. It's all about me. This is a good example of what Peter warns the dispersed Christians under Roman rule when he wrote, Beloved, I beg you, as sojourners and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lusts, which war against the soul, having your conduct honorable among the Gentiles. And when they speak against you as evildoers, they may, by your good works, which they observe, glorify God in the day of visitation. Over the last few years, did you serve your nation, your neighbor, and your God with distinction? Were you successfully able to distinguish between honorable conduct and fleshly desires? Compare how you acted, reacted, and behaved with Paul's encouragement from Romans 12, 9 through 12. Let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be kindly, affectionate to one another with brotherly love. In honor, giving presence to one another, not lagging in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord, rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing steadfastly in prayer. Did you serve with love and no hypocrisy? Was your behavior kindly and affectionate as one dealing with a brother or even a brother who has a different opinion than you? Did you give preference to your neighbor, respecting them as they obeyed their conscience even as you did? Did you spend more time fretting about your rights being affected by others' ignorance or your health being jeopardized by others' negligence? Or did you spend your time in patient prayer, rejoicing in tribulation, fervently serving the Lord? To a man, we have failed miserably. And even as the pandemic seems to be over, opportunity remains for us to continue in our failure. A world that desperately needs the Christian faith in Jesus Christ looks to us to see that faith is in action and is, more often than not, disappointed. They see us fighting over money and vain options or opinions, slandering our neighbors and our leaders, pursuing the lust of the flesh. They see us serving ourselves rather than serving our God and our neighbor. That's why it's important that we make sure we know how we are serving and search the scriptures to be sure that our actions reflect our faith in our Savior Jesus. Christians serve with distinction when they distinguish between serving God and serving man. Acts 5.29 was brought into the discussion quite frequently over the past two years. We ought to obey God rather than men. And that is true and right. When the decrees of our government are at odds with the decrees of Almighty God, our path is clear. We must obey the Lord, whatever the cost. But this isn't blanket permission for us to speak evil of our leaders or hold every law of man as optional 
based on our own subjective opinions. Peter writes, beginning in verse 13, Therefore, submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake, whether to the king as supreme or to the governors, as to those who are sent by him for the punishment of evildoers and for the praise of those who do good. Many will say, <clears throat> many will say that this is especially noteworthy because Peter writes to an audience under the rule of Emperor Nero who is extremely hostile to the Christians, Christian faith, imprisoning and martyring many. But actually, full-blown official persecution probably hadn't begun yet in Rome. Yet in chapter 5 of 1 Peter, he calls Rome Babylon, equating Rome with the standard for Old Testament hatred and persecution of God's people. Still, in this metaphorical Babylon, Peter says, submit yourselves. We hate that word, don't we? We see that word submit, but our pride here is take it lying down. And our despair here is resign yourself to chains. But we submit to those that the Lord has placed in authority over us because those are the ones who, according to verse 14, are sent by him for the punishment of evildoers and for the praise of those who do good. God blesses us with government in order to bless us with peace to proclaim the gospel and freedom, to worship him as we please. In Romans 13, we read, There is no authority except from God, and the authorities that exist are appointed by God. Are the governments that seem to be at odds with God's will? Yes, there are many. Is our government one of them? It certainly can look that way. And yet, Proverbs 21.1 says, The king's heart is in the hand of the Lord. Like the rivers of water, he turns it wherever he wishes. The Lord uses even evil government for the good of his people. Look at Babylon, whom the Lord used to turn his people to repentance. Look at Persia, whom the Lord used to return his exiled people to their homeland of Israel. Look at the Jewish and Roman governments who the Lord used to scourge and crucify his own son for our sakes. Jesus obeyed every law of man in order to glorify and serve his father. He maintained perfect submission and obedience in order to serve God and his neighbor by becoming the perfect sacrifice for sin. When those in authority wrongly condemned him to death, he suffered silently and carried out that sentence so that we might be set free from sin and made servants of righteousness by, him, by faith in him. Jesus served with distinction, going far, far above and beyond the call of duty because God had no obligation to save sinful mankind. In the Garden of Eden, he was under no obligation to promise the seed of the woman who would crush the serpent's head, but he did it anyway in his great love for us and Jesus went to the cross anyway to pay for sin once and for all and win us eternal life so how do we distinguish between serving God and serving man the fallacy is that you can do one or the other but not both and there are instances where to serve man would be to disobey God but don't let that exception become the rule 
for more often by serving those who the Lord has given us as leaders for our blessing. We are, in fact, also serving the Lord in humble and gentle submission, submitting ourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake. In doing so, Christians serve with distinction. But what if, what if, by not rising up against an evil government, the very fabric of our nation is torn asunder? What if our own submission and honorable conduct doesn't bring about any change, or our kindness and faithful service is taken advantage of by others? What if we all get sick and die? What if we go to war again? What if this or that person wins the election? What if, what if? When these questions, doubts, and fears about what will become of our city, our state, our nation, and our planet keep you awake at night or send you doom scrolling through the news websites, look at how Peter addresses his audience and how he addresses you as well. In verse 11, Beloved, I beg you as sojourners and pilgrims. When you think of home, you probably think of four walls, a roof, and a bed. But that's not your home. Washington isn't your home. America isn't your home. You are pilgrims, sojourners, travelers. Your entire world could be set ablaze if that is God's will. And it wouldn't matter in the end. Because your roots are not, in, are not set in this world. By Jesus' atoning sacrifice and his justifying resurrection, you have an eternal home that awaits you. Each of us will die, perhaps from COVID, perhaps from random violence, perhaps from persecution. And in Christ, this is not a bad thing. The person you voted against might win the election. The nation may continue its moral decline. The coronavirus may make a comeback and put us back to square one. And in Christ, we can still have hope and rejoice because we are merely passing through this world. Colossians 3, 1 through 4. If then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ is, sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on, the, on things above, not on things on, on the earth. For you died and, you, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ who is our life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. By serving with distinction, with honorable conduct, others will see your good works and give glory to your Father, who is in heaven. For this is the will of God, that by doing good, you may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men. When others see us serving and submitting in joy and faithfulness, trusting that all things work together for the good of his people. The ignorance of foolish men is silenced and so that that trump, trumpet blast of the gospel can then fill the void. Rather, our self-serving antics being an impediment to the spread of the gospel, our selfless service to our neighbor, our nation, and our God will open doors for evangelism and allow others to hear the glorious work of the, words redeem, of the world's redeemer from sin. They, too, will be able to look around at the cesspool of our sinful world and take heart, knowing that this isn't our home. Our citizenship 
in this world is but for a short while. Our citizenship in heaven is eternal and guaranteed by the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. The Congressional Medal of Honor is the highest award granted among our armed forces for serving with distinction. They say that there is no greater honor and not to diminish the sacrifices of those who have given their lives for our freedom, but there is a higher honor given on account of an even greater sacrifice. Because of Christ's work and his sacrifice on the, Christ, on the cross, the honor of perfect righteousness in eternal life has been bestowed upon us by faith. Now as redeemed children of God bringing forth fruits of faith, Christians serve with distinction and the fleshly lust and prideful service, self-service. We do so when we distinguish between serving God and by serving man in a God-pleasing manner, as those, who, as those he has placed over us to keep the peace. And we do so when we distinguish between our earthly home, which is troubled and will soon fade away, and our heavenly home, which is eternal rest in our Savior's loving arms. As the hymn writer so beautifully put it, what, th what thou, the tempest rage, heaven is my home. Short is my, pilgrim is my pilgrimage, heaven is my home. And time's wild, wintry blast soon shall be overpassed. I shall reach home at last, heaven is my home. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, our next hymnal is hymn 789. It says uh, Lutheran hymnal, but it's actually in the supplement. <laughs> 